This podcast is presented by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and an official partner of the New York Giants. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the newest Giants Huddle podcast. My name is John Schmelk. I'm back. Join me is old buddy. And boy, I think, Rick, we've been talking draft on, on our various programs here for probably close to 10 years now. Rick Saratello, he's from the NFL Draft Bible. They do all the draft work for Sports Illustrated. Rick, it's good to see you, man. How are you? Hey, John, always glad to be back at it again, chopping it up, talking football with you, my man. You guys did an incredible job once again, by the way, with the draft coverage. Thank you. I mean, you guys educate your listeners, seriously, more than any draft show. And you guys aren't technically a draft show, but draft season, it feels like you're a draft show. So I appreciate the knowledge. I learn something every time I tune in. So kudos, you and Paul. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate that. We are going to have one more episode of draft season, by the way, and we'll see. Maybe we'll do that all in the off season too. We'll see how that goes. So make sure you check out that final episode of draft season. It's on its own separate podcast platform. And of course you can find the Giants huddle podcast and big blue kickoff live on the Giants app and at giants.com slash podcast, as well as of course, all your favorite podcast platforms. So Rick, we had you on BBK uh, before the draft. We did a quick little hit with you, but we haven't had a chance to really sit down and do something a little bit longer uh, with the draft. So I figured let's get you on, talk about who the Giants actually selected and we'll kind of go from there. Let's talk first. What did you think about the Giants' strategy with what they did at five and seven in the first round, going Thibodeau first and then just waiting on their tackle until seven and winding up with Evan Neal? I thought the board, the way it broke down, could not have fallen any better, in my opinion. And, you know, based on who you listen to, they got the top two players on their big board overall. To me, Kayvon Thibodeau was the best player in the draft. I didn't buy into any of this lackadaisical play or worry about the personality. And you heard... Uh, Joe Shane say it best himself. It's a new, it's a new era of athlete. The modern day athlete is a different breed and football is all about a game of being able to adapt and adjust. And if you don't do that, you kind of get lost in the dust. So to me, I don't care about the big charisma personality of Kayvon Thibodeau. In fact, I think it's going to play real well because he's so articulate. He's so he's actually well thought out. Oh, he's very smart. He's very smart. Yeah, and I think he's going to be uh, uh, an enigma and a cornerstone that the Giants can build around on the field. And then I don't think they thought Evan Neal was going to be there. I mean, I, th- I really think they thought that one of these tackles would be off the board. They played the waiting game, and they rolled the dice a little bit with, with allowing Carolina uh, to make their move and, and seeing who was going to be available there at seven. And to me, Evan Neal is a guy that checked off every single box and you know there's only a a few guys that do that in in this year's draft class so to me they got immediate plug and play starter an immediate upgrade on the offensive line this whole remade you know they got a facelift for you know countless times in so many years and and David Gettleman let's be honest he he chose a lot of these similar positions the picks just didn't pan out Joe Shane breathing new life into this organization and leaning on his coaching staff to do so. Definitely a change from the past. All right. I want to follow up on Neil. Anything, Rick, watching Neil's tape, you know, concerns you about him long term or or does he literally check every box for you as a player? Yeah, I think he's as solid and sound and as safe. You know, can you polish up and be a better player here and there? Sure. But I mean, in terms of block protection, uh, run, run protection, this guy can do it all. I I literally think he checks off all the boxes, prototype size, 
ideal, Ben. I mean, what a lean, mean, 300-pound machine. I mean, you would never think if you saw this guy walking down the street, he's 310 pounds. But, man, this guy is just body beautiful. I love his skill set. In fact, you know, down the road, does he eventually do do, do him and Booth flip-flop? It's a possibility. Him and Thomas, right? Thomas, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. You know, he, he, he's listed at 340. He looks like he's 275. It's, it's amazing. I've never seen anything like it. How about Thibodeau? I know, I know you said you're sold in the pick. You love him. What are some of the things that you think he does have to work on, though, once he gets into the Giants coaching staff and he gets into the NFL? Stuff that he could maybe improve on a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he needs to continue to develop the pass rush repertoire. And a lot of times he got by just on natural, pure talent or speed or first step. Yeah, get I mean, off, there's right? plays, yeah. there's, there's plays, two steps. He's already in the backfield blown past the offensive tackle. Well, that's not going to happen on the regular in the NFL. So he's going to just have to develop his hand usage. He, I think he's got good bend and, and can use those hands a little bit more violently. Now, I don't think he gets enough credit for playing the edge and setting the edge against the run, because I think he's somebody who's very willing to stick his nose, set the edge and not always be this guy that goes after the quarterback. So, I mean, I like what he brings to the table. I think he's going to have to just really uh, buckle up for the media barrage because he just gravitates to the media and the media. He attracts this, all this media attention. I think you're looking at the next big superstar and that's really you know, talking to Ke- Kevin Abrams at the combine, that's really the biggest concern with any prospect they have. How does all that attention, how does all that social media noise impact the player between the ears? It's a really uh, big deal when you get to Broadway. All right, let's uh, jump to round two here. The Giants surprised some people with Wondell uh, Robinson out of Kentucky. Smaller guy, Rick, 5'8", just under 180 pounds when he checked in at the combine. But he doesn't play that way. Um, He plays like a bigger guy. What is it about Robinson that you like? I think if you look at how Isaiah McKenzie was used in Buffalo, that's what they're envisioning here in in New York. And you say, well, hey, uh, they have Kadarius Toney, who's a gadget player. Uh, Joe Shane said, hey, I can't get enough of those guys. And while I don't think Kadarius Toney is going anywhere, I do think this could signal the end of Darius Slayton in big blue, unfortunately, just when you take a look at the numbers game, the salary crunch, uh, I think that's the trickle down effect here. And Robinson's the guy, you know, maybe not the, the deep threat like a Tony, but a guy that you can get in space, whether it's a screen, a bubble an end around, that's what they're going to look to do with this young man. And, you know, I think what they, the goal of this draft was to surround Daniel Jones with protection in the past game, weapons to throw to, so that there's no more excuses. Now it's on you, Daniel. You've got the weapons. You've got the playmakers. You've got a remade offensive line. Let's stay healthy and see what you can do. Don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com suites for more information. Yeah, and I will say this too. Watching his tape in Kentucky, I, I I had done my report on him uh, before the draft. You know, they used him as you know. You mentioned all the gadget stuff, no question about it. But they did use him as a downfield target a lot too. They, you know, and I, th- I thought he had speed to run away from guys. I thought he was a a good route runner. And I wonder how or whether maybe that's the question and how he can 
take that and what he did in college at his size and continue to do some of that stuff more down the field in the NFL. I think that'll be interesting to see how Dable and, and Kafka are able to scheme that up for him if you can try to get him some of that downfield stuff as a traditional wide receiver, even though he's just 5'8". No, and I agree with those sentiments because that's one thing the, the Giants need to do a better job of is stretching the field and throwing more deep ball p- passes and keeping the defense honest because you just don't see enough of it, quite frankly, ever since OBJ left. You didn't have that really deep downfield threat that has to keep defenses honest. And honestly, <laughs> Daniel Jones needs that because in, in order to have success underneath and work the short to intermediate field, if the defenses aren't respecting you deep downfield, well then, hey, it's going to be really easy to guard against. Yeah, no question. All right, let, let's jump to the offensive line here. Uh, they drafted two guards, both from North Carolina, Josh Azudu, uh, and then his teammate Marcus McKeithen. Uh, give me the lowdown on those two guys, Rick. What do you like about them? Yeah, I think, you know, when I look at a lot of these selections, one of the common den- denominators of a lot of these players the Giants took is they tested really well. And Azudu is a guy that's just an, one of these athletic, versatile players who played a lot of tackle, actually. But his best uh, position is going to be at the guard. And he's going to be someone who comes in and and can push a a Lemieux at the guard position, right? I don't think he comes in and starts right away. I think he does need to refine some of his technique, some of his polish. Uh, However, you know, what's wrong with adding a valuable swingman who, hey, maybe he could step in at tackle in a pinch. But ultimately, he's going to compete down the road to be one of those starting guards I think he's more of a developmental player. I like the selection. McCarthy, we had out at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. And, you know, our scouting staff loves him. I think, you know, when you take a look at him, we all walked away Pasadena and said, hey, that guy just looks the part, right? And NFL team's going to take him. He's got the athleticism. He's got phenomenal size. Now, sometimes he play, it looks like he plays with, with two left feet. So he's got to improve that footwork a little bit. But man, when you talk about a tenacious guy, like he brings that chip on the shoulder and he's going to he's going to play through the whistle and he might even give you a little funny business after the whistle. And to me, I always like those guys in the trenches, guys that are mean, nasty and just get under your skin throughout the course of a game. That's what Marcus uh, McCarthy brings to the table. Yeah. And then um, Zudu, I'm bringing up I'm bringing up my uh, my notes here on him right now, Rick. The one thing that jumped out to me when I watched him. I thought he really moved well as a run blocker, right? If you get him out on those zone plays and you get him on the move as a puller, um, here we go. Um, gets downhill, pushing the run game. Good puller, has lateral movement in the zone run game. Good get off. I thought that really is his strength. So if they're going to try to run Saquon Barkley on some of these outside zone plays, well, you know, Shane Lemieux might be the better, you know, phone booth mauler type. If you want to get a blocker on the move on some of these outside zone plays, I could see where Azudu kind of fits that type of role. No, great point. He's quick. He's agile. He can hop down the line. He can get into the second level and he seeks out contact. So again, you want to put these guys in a successful situation. Saquon Barkley looked somewhat pedestrian at times. And I think this does boost the run game. You're absolutely right. All right. There's only one other offensive player uh, that they drafted, Rick. So let's knock him out first. Fourth round pick Daniel Bellinger out of San Diego State. And you mentioned they drafted guys that looked the part and tested well. Well, here is your prime A example of that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, here's a guy who's a six foot five, two hundred and fifty pound tight end that runs a four six forty, but he's a blocker. He's an inline guy, and you know they used him almost as a sixth offensive lineman there 
at San Diego State. So I think when you get into these goal line and short yardage areas, maybe you want to run some 12 personnel. Bellinger's a guy that's going to come in, be your dependable blocker. And he's not the strongest guy. I think he can improve in that area, but he's got great technique. He's got the willingness. He's got all the motor and skills that you look for from a blocking tight end. Now, he wasn't really asked to catch the ball a whole lot in San Diego State. Will he be asked? to do more of that at the next level, we shall see. But you take a look again at the measurements and you say, man, well, maybe maybe he can catch the ball a little bit. Maybe his athleticism got a little bit wasted in that San Diego State offense. So that part of his game remains to be seen. I think that, you know, looking at some of these picks and we'll get to the undrafted free agents, but bringing in a fullback, bringing in an inline blocking tight end, it takes me back to the more uh, traditional offenses that the Giants used to employ and going back to the Rhino and Henry Hynoski, they, uh, Charles <laughs> Way, they always had uh, a top caliber uh, fullback. And, uh, and a lot of times we saw the tight end shift into the backfield and become that blocker. So maybe Bellinger plays that role as well. You know, we've seen this before where role determines how effective a tight end is in college, Rick, as much as his skill and ability. Is he one of these guys that might have had some of his pass, you know, receiving ability masked a little bit just because of that run heavy, you know, San Diego State system where he was used more as a blocker? Does he maybe have more to give in that area? I think it's a real possibility. As you know, the Aztecs are have a storied history of loving to run the ball there and uh, you know, that's what you get when you sign up to play for San Diego State. So, yeah, I think, you know, you talk about potential upside and you talk around the league, some of the well-respected scouts, they really like this kid out there on the West Coast. So uh, I'm going to trust what those guys say because it was unanimous. Like, hey, he's got something to him. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. The other third round pick, Cordell Flott at LSU. And I watched him before the draft too, Rick. I thought his movement skills were just really impressive. I know it's funny. You watch these LSU players the last couple of years and the program was disarray. Maybe is a little bit strong, but it was in flux. How about that? And, and I love his ability. I think he played inside and outside. Uh, I think I probably see him just because of his build is a little bit more uh, of a slot guy. And Joe Shane kind of referenced that too um, in his uh, post-draft press conference. But what did you see when you watch Cordo Flott? What does he bring to the Giants secondary? Yeah. And you know, say what you want about LSU this year, they're still churning out DBs. I mean, I, I think <laughs> they've got man. more, yeah, they got more DBs selected in terms of numbers in the past decade than any program. So, uh, you know, you're getting pedigree there. Now he's got length, but he's built a little bit wiry, right? Even more so than, than Eli Apple. And you alluded like, Hey, he probably slides into the slot kind of a, a similar role as Eli Apple who can play inside outside, but you're getting them, getting a player on day three instead of day one who can do something similar to what Apple brought to the table. So, yeah, I mean, he, he can play a little zone. He can play a little man. He's got to put on some strength. He's got to pack on some pounds, but ultimately he's going to slide into that uh, slot position and, and maybe contribute on special teams and, you know, earn himself a roster spot on the back end as, as a cornerback four or five, you know, how does he impress man Rick? Because that's something that Wink Mardell is going to ask his corners to do. Um, if he if he ends up getting, you know, more playing time this year as a rookie than maybe we expect if they have to, you know, make other roster moves to become cap compliant. No, I think that's something he can do. He's very physical. He puts his hands on receivers. He's willing to, you know, play grabby and, and even help out in the run game. So physicality, I don't think is an issue with that young man.
Excellent. All right, let's go to the other defensive back they selected, Rick. Dame Belton out of Iowa. And, you know, he, he, he when you watch him, he looks like an Iowa player, right? He's in the right spot. He's physical. Uh, what are some of the things about Dame Belton that you liked? And more specifically, you know, safety is a very fluid position now in the NFL. What safety role do you think he's going to play best in? All of the above. I mean, yeah. I think that, that was part of the allure of a Dane Belton is that's how they employed him over there in college is they kind of used him as a free safety. They lined him up in the box at strong safety. He slid into the slot and, and covered. So, again, a guy that I thought was a priority free agent until he went through the process, had a great combine, excelled in positional drills at his pro day workout, Suddenly he pops onto the radar. He's got great size. I think he's over six foot tall, 200 pounds, was in that 4-4 range. So you talk about an indispensable part, a guy like a Jabril Peppers who could play either safety spot. He could slide into the nickel. I think that's what you're getting in a Dane Belton. And and, and he's going to have some competition now. Uh, The safety spot is really up for grabs. There's a couple guys in there. Uh, in the undrafted free agency who are going to compete and, and Belton being a, a late round pick is no sure thing. But again, I think, I think Joe Shane did a couple things here. He bet on traits and he also stuck to his board in terms of best player available, but also slant. I think he combined best player available with need. I think again, when you look around the league, the landscape, the head coach, the GM, working hand in hand in association with each other and making cohesive decisions. That's something the giants never had in recent history. And I think it's a whole breath of fresh air that if you look at today's model of successful organizations, you have to operate in that manner. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Yeah, I agree. It seems like the coaching staff said, all right, well, we need a player that can do this. We need a player that can do that. And this is what these guys can do. And I agree. I, th- I think he really tried to kind of match that. Two linebackers on defense. Let's go in order. Round four. Uh, Mike McFadden at Indiana, he's going to be a thumper, right? Good against the run, and I know he's considered a very good blitzer, right? Yeah, he's he's a guy that was really the heart and soul of that Indiana defense that I, I didn't think got enough credit. I mean, this is a program known for basketball. They've done some pretty good things, and, and McFadden was in the middle of that. He's the vocal leader. He's the team MVP. He can, you know, the Giants – maybe saw what the the Cowboys did with Micah Parsons. Now, not nearly uh, close to the same kind of talent, but it can do a lot of similar things. He can get after the quarterback. He can blow up the backfield. You'll see he's got numerous tackles for loss, but he's also a quick, instinctual, read and react, lateral guy who makes tackles, sticks his nose in the dirt. I think the knock here lacks the prototype size, right? And that's why he kind of slid uh, to day three in the draft. And again, I, I think another guy who can contribute on special teams, provide some depth to that linebacker unit, which they needed. And that's what you're trying to do in, in, in day three. Like you add the impact players early on and then you're doing window dressing. And, and I think, again, very specific roles, needs that were addressed. And uh, he's going to bring a lot of energy. I know that come training camp. All right, let's go to the other linebacker, Darian Beavers. He was the Giants' final pick in the sixth round here, Rick. It's funny. I watched it, and I'm like, wow, this is like an old-school, like, 
80s, 90s Giants linebacker. He's big, he's thick, he's going to play on the line of scrimmage, but he's not a pass rusher. You know, he just seemed like one of these guys that it's like, whoa, like he's, he's a pretty solid football player. And I'm shocked he went all the way to the sixth round, given how well he tested. Yeah, you know, you're right. You don't see too many six foot three, 240 plus pound linebackers in the NFL. That's kind of a thing in the past. But yeah. I mean, here's a guy who is a thumper and who plays downhill and shoots the gaps. And uh, in fact, I think as a as a true freshman at UConn, I think he led the Huskies in sacks and then he transfers to Cincinnati. Uh, kind of flies under the radar. They got a handful of players on that team. My Jay Sanders being the kind of cornerstone and Beavers. All he did was show up and make plays. You turn on the Bearcats. This guy's constantly around the football, has a true nose, uh, shows up constantly, constantly. There he is. Beavers, Beavers, Beavers. So I think, again, you know, he's going to have to make a living on special teams as well. And that's going to be a, another good depth pick to add to the equation. However, you know, he's a fringe player, if we're being honest. I mean, at the linebacker position, he's going to really have to earn his keep. Well, of course, as a six-round pick, Rick, you got to play well on special teams, right? I mean, that's what you got to do. And then you figure Absolutely. out a way to work your way onto the field on defense. All right, final player we haven't touched on yet. Uh, DJ Davidson, interior defensive lineman at Arizona State. Rick, what do you think? Two-down player, you know, uh, first and second down run stuffer. You know, maybe you, you move him around the gaps there up front, but he he lets others make plays, and he's going to eat up space. He's going to uh, stuff the run. He's going to open up the lanes for the linebackers that we just talked about to run through. And so you're getting somebody who's SEC battle-tested and a proven Power 5 commodity, and, you know, he's going to be a specialist. Again, it's a very specific role, a two-down player, and there's nothing wrong with that on day three of the draft. So uh, at one point, you know, he was considered to be kind of a mid-tier uh, draft prospect. So they get him in the back end of day three. I think it was solid value. Excellent. All right. And obviously, you know, the Giants haven't announced any undrafted free agents. There are reports out there, obviously. And uh, based, again, this we're not endorsing these. We're not saying it's official. But, Rick, I know some of those names uh, did catch your eye that you wanted to kind of bring up with those today. Yeah, you know, we talked about the depth of this draft, twice as many players in the draft pool, which means what? A lot of these draftable grades kind of slid to the undrafted free agency portion. And, you know, they all have a wart for some reason or another, but they also, some of these guys like Jeremiah Hall, the fullback out of Oklahoma, he's just a nasty blocking fullback. He can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit. So, the Giants haven't had somebody like that in quite some time. I'm excited to see if he can earn his keep on the 53-man roster. Austin Allen out of Nebraska, just a big tree trunk tight end. You see this kind of evolving uh, tight end position in the NFL. Everybody's looking for this big, tall pass catcher. You, you're not used to seeing Cornhuskers lead the team in receiving. This guy, he's a red zone threat. Another player we had out at the NFL PA Bowl who just made splash plays, showed up all week during practice with highlight reel grabs and one-handed catches and down uh, big six foot seven. Now he ran a terrible 40 yard dash time, but I'll tell you this, he plays much faster than his 40 suggests. So I think Austin Allen's a guy who could fit in. We, we talked about Hall in the backfield. How about Joshua Corbin? Did anybody watch the East West Shrine Bowl? This guy was arguably the best running back down there at the East West Shrine out of Florida State. He's got some juice to him now. He can make you miss an open field. He can do a little bit of everything. Joshua Corbin, I think, has a really good shot to earn a spot on the Giants' backfield. Um, we talked about Dane Belton, and there, there would be some competition. 
Brandon Easterling out of uh, Dayton is flying under the radar. Small school kid. Again, safety versatility brings much bigger length. He's like six foot three, six foot four. He'll compete with Trenton Thompson, San Diego State. I got back to the wishing well there. Another lengthy safety who has some versatility. And two more I want to touch base on that I'm hearing. You know, not too many guys, not too many Northeast scouts get up to Maine. Andre Miller is a wide out now that played in a high octane offense. This, this offense was averaging over 500 yards and 50 points a game. And it evolved around Andre Miller. Remember that name. He's going to be competing for a roster spot. And Matt Allen out of Michigan state, the Spartans for a long time have been churning out quality, fundamentally sound offensive line technicians. That's what Matt Allen is. And he's one of these super six senior guys. He's a little bit more polished than your average offensive lineman coming out. He's played tackle. He's played guard. I actually like him best at center, believe it or not. So just a storyline to keep an eye on come training camp. Great. Good stuff, man. Tell the folks where they can find uh, all your work. Yeah, we're over at NFLDraftBible.com. We partnered up with uh, Sports Illustrated, so you can find us over there. Uh, we've got post-draft reaction. We're on to 2023 now, John, and turning the page. we got the mock draft ready and best available players already looking ahead to next year. So it's a nonstop, can't stop, won't stop situation over here at the NFL Draft Bible. And as you mentioned at the top of the show, man, uh, we've been we've been coming on your show for uh, over the last 10 years or so. Always an honor, always a privilege. And uh, tell Paulie I said hello. Love getting the inside <laughs> scoop. Nobody has their finger on the pulse like you guys. So uh, I do tune in. I'm a fan as well as a as a guest of the show. No, Rick, I appreciate it. I will send that along. And by the way, talking about that, we have, we have a caller from Maine that's been asking us about Maine prospects. All year. He's going <laughs> to be so go. happy you mentioned him. Uh, you got, we got about 60 seconds here. Real quick, you mentioned you're on to 2023. Give me a taste, just a little bit of a taste, what the 2023 class is going to profile like. Yeah, we're going to get back to regularity, which means quarterbacks flying off the board early and often. I have five going off the board in my top 15 picks. Wow. Bryce Young out of Alabama, CJ Stroud out of Ohio State, Will Levis out of Kentucky, Anthony Richardson from Florida is going to shoot up boards, Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami. Those are five signal callers to keep an eye on. And then you think Trayvon Walker and Jordan Davis got the goods. Wait until you see this one. Jalen Carter out of Georgia. Him and Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama, those are probably your top two defensive prospects. So, uh, again, edge rushers coming off the board, and we're going to see the return back to quarterbacks, finally. Yeah, it's very funny. I was watching all those uh, Georgia defensive players, and all I kept saying is, who the hell is number 88? Holy cow, he is a monster. So I look forward to studying him next year. Thanks a lot, Rick, man. We appreciate the time as always. Thank you, John. Rick Saratel, NFL Draft Bible. Thanks for being with us on the John Soto Podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody.